concerned because when I walk through the aisles at PetSmart or Petco, everything is grain-free. And um, that is not a common, grain-free is not a common condition that we see in dogs. It's not something that is a common source of allergies or, or health issues for dogs. Welcome to Telltale Dog, the podcast. I'm Elizabeth Silverstein, dog trainer with Telltale Dog Dog Training in Little Rock, and I have with me today Dr. Malo Ball of Soma Animal Clinic. Hey. Thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, well, explain, what do you do? So, um, I have been a veterinarian for about um, nine years, and I opened a house call practice about three years ago. Um, I mostly do end-of-life care, um, but I have expanded into full service and I opened a brick and mortar practice in downtown Little Rock about a year ago. Um, I continue to offer house calls for end of life um, and wellness visits in addition. And um, fear free is a really important thing to me, trying to minimize our, the stress to our patients and the barriers to their veterinary care. That's really important to me. So we've tried to set this practice up to um, reduce fear and anxiety and support um, our owners working through those challenges with our patients. Absolutely, and I love that. That was actually one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you. We met through a networking group and we got coffee and chatted and I ultimately was able to start doing classes here, puppy kindergarten level one. But it just, it really struck me that you do focus on that. You know, you want to provide care for your patients but in a way that isn't, adding to their trauma or, you know, their pain. So I, I appreciate it. No fear. You know, it's, mm -hmm. I think that's really great. And it does take, it takes a little bit longer to do something. Though, it does. It takes some patience and mm -hmm. sometimes it takes drugs. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it takes um, a few tries to get mm -hmm. things accomplished, but um, it's definitely worth it. Okay. Yeah. And I see that with dog training too. That's something I try to do as well. It's like, this doesn't have to be, we don't have to use you know, certain types of force. We don't have to make our dogs afraid of us to get some good behaviors. We can develop a relationship and communicate and find out what works best for everybody. Absolutely. I love that. Well, this is actually the first episode of the podcast for a Telltale Dog uh, Training. And I wanted to have you on because we've discussed doing like a puppy social event where mm -hmm. we were get some puppies under the age of four months because there's a lot going on with puppies. So before puppies reach the four month uh, time period, what's going on with them? Why is it so important to be careful of what you do with them? Well, we definitely see a lot of contagious diseases, particularly parvo, as well as distemper, and um, puppies need a series of vaccines every two to four weeks um, in order to have protection against a lot of contagious diseases. So as a veterinarian, I will typically recommend that until my pets have had a full series of vaccines, that they are not in places where unknown dogs have been. So don't take them to PetSmart to walk around. Don't take them to the dog park. Mm -hmm. um, I want to try to reduce their exposure to things that can make them sick until they've had enough vaccines to have protection. And they're, they're so small that they're still growing and they can't, their bodies have a harder time fighting off anything like that. And this can often be at odds with dog trainers because we say before the age of so, four months is the crucial social, 
the crucial socialization period is before the age of four months. So I'm sure there's some butting heads there where people are like, but my dog needs to socialize, mm-hmm. but there's also a lot of danger happening. So this is where a puppy social kind of situation is an, a good medium where we're gonna keep them safe. They have to have a certain amount of vaccinations that mm-hmm. are appropriate to their age, but they're not gonna be meeting older dogs or being in a situation where other dogs might have contaminated the situation. Exactly, so this is a controlled environment mm-hmm. where we know that the puppies that are here have been properly vaccinated. Mm-hmm. We know that the facility has been disinfected properly to prevent the spread of contagious diseases. So many things like Parvo can even be spread from your shoes. Oh, so wow. making sure that that the environment is properly controlled. And that's hard when you're out on soil or in mm-hmm. dirt or places where it's hard to disinfect. So I love the idea that these young puppies are properly vaccinated and have a controlled environment for them to socialize. Absolutely. And part of that is you're gonna be there with us. So we have the date right now, it's Tuesday, January 28th. If you are in the Little Rock area, you can email me at info at telltaledogtraining.com or you can call the clinic and get on the list. We are limiting it to only 10 puppies, so make sure you get your name on the list. But we will be there as well to talk about some of the things that there are certain questions that you should ask your vet and there are certain questions that you should ask your dog trainer. Yes. And uh, they don't always coincide. And when I first got my dog in 2012, I wrote up a whole list to ask my vet at the time. And I found that list very recently. And it was as a dog trainer now, I'm looking back at that list and laughing because there's no way my vet would be able to or have the interest in answering some of these questions. So one of them, for example, was my dog doesn't want to walk on a leash. How do I get my dog to walk on a leash? That's not what vets answer. So what are some questions, some common questions that you get from puppy owners that are appropriate questions for you as a vet to answer? So um, I will often answer questions about vaccine schedules, when to properly vaccinate. Um, I also like having a conversation about lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to recommend certain vaccines based on that lifestyle, based on the risk of my patient. So um, I really enjoy answering questions about how to decide, does your dog need the flu? Um, If they're going to lots of places and they're interacting with lots of other dogs, we should vaccinate them for that. If they are a couch potato who stays in the yard, they don't necessarily need all the vaccines. Um, So that's a great question. Benefits of spaying and neutering, that's a conversation that I try to bring up with every puppy owner. There are so many benefits and reasons that we should spay and neuter them. Um, Heartworm prevention, flea and tick prevention, those are things that we should be talking about um, to make sure that our pets are properly protected. Absolutely. And the other side of that is for a dog trainer, the appropriate questions would include things like crate training, even though you can answer questions like that. I get a lot of crate training questions. Yes. And uh, it sounds like some people would rather not crate train, but we've, and we'll go into the benefits and kind of the disadvantages of crate training in another episode. But that's also a great question for your trainer on how to do it. Because sometimes people think like, I just shove my puppy in there and I slam the door and I leave them for six hours. But appropriately done, a crate training can be really fun and, and safe for puppies that want to go in and have a good time going into their crate after they've been properly exercised, they've been trained, they get a special treat. Um, but sometimes it's just not so fun for them when they get shoved into there and then the owner leaves. So we'll, we'll delve into that a little bit more because there are some really great ways to use that. 
But um, so that's a great question for your vet or your trainer. Uh, the question that's more appropriate for your dog trainer is walking on a leash. You know, the vet is going to be like, oh, you figure it out. But dog trainer's like, all right, we're going to start in slow steps and acclimate them and get them used to it because a lot of puppies aren't. Um, a lot of puppies don't even get a collar around their neck when they're they're first born. Sometimes breeders do that, but a lot of times puppies aren't even used to having a collar on. Mm-hmm. And then when you add in leash restrictions, they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, so. Small steps, getting them used to it gradually has really great results over the long term. Um, Another great question that is appropriate for your vet is food. Like, I'm not going to answer any medical question and I'm not going to give any advice on feeding or food. That's appropriate for your vet. What are some questions you get around that? Well, recently there's um, some concern about grain-free diets. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm concerned because when I walk through the aisles at PetSmart or Petco, everything is grain-free. And um, that is not a common, grain-free is not a common condition that we see in dogs. It's not something that is a common source of allergies or or health issues for dogs. And now we're actually seeing some end-stage heart failure from a possible taurine deficiency in a lot of these grain-free diets. So um, it's a lot like human nutrition. If there was one diet that was perfect and worked for every single person, there wouldn't be 5,000 diets. There's just a lot that we don't know um, as far as some of these newer diets that are supplementing Um, They're using legumes and peas as protein sources. Um, There's just a lot that we don't know. So I definitely recommend avoiding a grain-free diet until we know more about how to make them safe for our patients. Um, I recommend um, uh, make sure that they are on a puppy food. Um, A large breed dog should be on a large breed dog food. It's going to have restricted calories and um, nutrition based on what the growth of the dog will be. Um, there's many brands out there. Um, I tend to recommend um, Purina, uh, Purina Pro Plan, IMS, Science Diet, Royal Canin. Um, those are the companies that have the most veterinary research that I can look into. Um, you always want to make sure that the food that you're feeding is AFCO approved. That means that it meets the minimum nutritional requirements to maintain a dog. Um, So those are the big things. There's just a lot of trends right now that are not based on health research. And now we're actually seeing health complications from these diets. So um, that's my spiel. Yeah, because anyone can start making treats in their kitchen or start making pet food in their kitchen. And there's nothing, there's no federal regulations around that. So they can just make it, package it, and start selling it. And when we, we have to look at the science. We have to look at how it's impacting the dogs. And the science is, just isn't there right now for a lot of those foods. Yes, and mm-hmm. it seems like, and this is true in human medicine as well, nutrition research is very behind. And so like right now, everyone's on keto diets and all of this, and we just don't necessarily have the research. And it's even farther behind in the veterinary nutrition and animal nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where, until we know more, we need to be really careful about how we choose appropriate diets for our pets. Absolutely. And that still doesn't mean that some people food might not be wrong to feed your pet, right? There are still some things you can supplement that are fun, that are delicious. What are some foods that it's okay to feed your pet? Um, a lot of dogs like carrots. Um, Green beans are a good source of fiber um, for dogs that have anal gland or diarrhea issues or weight loss, um, need to lose weight. That's a good way to kind of bulk up their food so they feel more full. 
Um, you can feed um, green beans from the can, make sure it's low sodium. Um, pumpkin is a source of fiber that can help firm up the stool and also help with anal glands and um, issues like that. I like to um, give a brand, lots of different brands, but a puppy treat that's easy to break into small pieces. Um, I don't particularly have a brand, um, mm -hmm. but I tend to stick with um, like Purina or Science Diet, Imes, um, the dog food companies that I'm most familiar with. Um, but I also really like low sodium chicken broth. Put it in a popsicle, freeze it, and it makes a really great treat for the summer. Yeah, and that's what that was a big draw at your Dog Days of Summer last yes. summer as well. Dogs we love actually that. have a whole bag of doggy popsicles, mm -hmm. and when we have a pet that's fearful, we will give them um, a doggy popsicle to help mm -hmm. distract them from a toenail trim. Um, we also use the Kong treat. Um, easy Squeeze, which you can mm -hmm. squeeze into a Kong toy, which are the rubber toys that you can use for young puppies. Um, and they love that. We actually use that on a lick mat during the veterinary visit so that they're more interested in eating and sometimes don't even realize that we have just given them a shot. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the fear-free techniques that we use to reduce stress. Mm -hmm. It's hard to be upset or feel something painful when you're eating something delicious. Some yeah. dogs don't even notice. Mm -hmm. They're so into the treat. Um, Dr. Ball, are, th are there any, like, so when we think about things that you need, for example, in bringing a, a new puppy home, are there certain things that you recommend, you know, when we think about maybe the leash, the collar, possibly a crate if you crate train, is there anything else, you know, besides a bowl that you would encourage owner, new owners especially to, to get? Yes. Um, I think the first step is researching the lifestyle that you have and the dog that you're going to bring home. I think that I see a lot of mismatch where a sedentary family gets a golden retriever puppy. Um, or, you know, we need to make sure before you bring the pet home that you have thought a lot about what's going to fit. Um, I love when people will foster to adopt, so you can foster with many different rescue groups and make sure that this is going to be a good fit for your family before you finalize the adoption. And I think that's one of the best ways to bring a dog home um, because you're gonna learn more about what you need in a dog and what's gonna fit for your family. Um, I definitely think that it's important to have treats so that we can reinforce behaviors positively. I'm a big fan of crate training. Um, it has hugely helped with all of my pets strongly recommend a collar and a leash. You're gonna need to frequently check the collars because as the puppy grows, we need to make sure that it's fitting properly. I've seen it just takes a week for the collar to embed and cause problems if you're not checking it regularly. Um, so leash, collar, make sure you know your veterinarian and where you're gonna go. Um, I strongly recommend a physical exam within a few days of adopting a dog mm -hmm. so that your veterinarian can look at previous vaccines, make recommendations. I also strongly recommend that you quarantine a new dog from existing pets for maybe 10 to 14 days mm -hmm. because a lot of diseases have an incubation period. So they may look completely normal, but they already are sick with something. Mm -hmm. So um, I've seen a lot of people adopt a new dog and then everyone comes down with kennel cough. Uh, so I just point. want people to kind of be aware that you can bring your dog into your vet and they look perfectly normal. They are perfectly normal, but they may be incubating an illness that will take days to show up. 
So I love doing an exam when people first get the dog and then figuring out when we need to schedule the next round of puppy shots. Um, so crate, high quality puppy food. Um, ideally your breeder or rescue group would have given you their previous food so that you can slowly transition them over to the puppy food of your choice. Mm -hmm. um, puppy pads I think are helpful to have. I don't like when people train puppies to potty inside. I just think that confuses them. It's hard. Yeah, a big thing from a training standpoint is dogs know they can go outside, but they don't understand that they can't go inside. And when you train them to go inside on a specific location, it's going to be almost impossible to let, to train them out of that because they've been taught that that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's a struggle. Um, but I'd say those are kind of the main things. Um, mm -hmm. Always supervise your puppy when they're using a treat. Um, particularly a rawhide or even a squeaky toy. Um, mm -hmm. Every dog has a different behavior and I've seen so many dogs eat and swallow toys that cause serious health problems. I don't think that any and every dog should have a rawhide. I think that we need to supervise and make sure that we know if the dog is going to swallow it whole, A, it does nothing for their teeth and B, it becomes a health hazard. Right. So um, sometimes you have to play around and find what works best for each personal behaviors of a puppy. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. And I would add on to that too, if you're thinking about getting a harness, I really recommend the, the pet, I really recommend the pet safe harness because it clips in front instead of on the back. And sometimes when we get our dogs that just really like to get low to the ground and pull, they get a lot more leverage when it clips to the back, whereas when it clips to the front, they don't get that much leverage too. And I love what you said about you know finding a dog that matches your family. Sometimes we pick a dog because it's cute, it's got certain type of spots or certain colors, but it might be a working dog that needs to run for hours and hours or work for hours and hours a day. So being very careful about that. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I, I wanted to mention too is that there's really, it's, it's never too early to start training you do need to be careful about you know the age of your puppy vaccinations and all that um, but you can start training basically pretty early um, as much as as early as you'd want really I started training my dog when he was like eight weeks old mm -hmm. um, and then to add from a training aspect what you said about isolating the dogs that's also really helpful when you have existing dogs and you're bringing a new dog in from a behavioral standpoint because sometimes we like to throw the dogs together and, and let them just figure it out but we don't know as much about a new dog when we're bringing them in or how our existing dog might respond to it so keeping them separate just to get used to each other's sense get used to the fact that their life has changed and then gradually doing those introductions really really helps things in the long term as that's well. a good point yeah well i think that was everything that i had you know for this little intro to puppies so if you want to ask us more questions if you are in the little rock area we are doing tuesday january 28th we have 10 spots either call the clinic or shoot me an email was there anything else dr ball that you wanted to add no um if you have any questions you can contact soma animal clinic our phone number is 916-2246 and um, we'll make sure that we have the information or can get the information to you for this um, puppy party. Perfect. And you're on Facebook, Instagram? I'm on Facebook. Okay. Um, my website is www.somaanimalclinic.com and we're on Facebook. Perfect. And you can find Telltale Dog as well. It's T-E-L-L-T-A-I-L, dogtraining.com. Um, we're also on Instagram and Facebook as Telltale Dog. And you can shoot me an email at info at telltaledogtraining.com. Awesome. Thank you. And music for this episode is provided by Jim Chiago. You can find him on iTunes and Spotify as Denver or find him playing around Denver under Nomad Neighbors. Thank you, Dr. Ball. Thank you.